Let's give the people what they want, Brad. Come on. What are you doing, buddy? Roll over in that hammock, man. Put out that blunt. Put down the margarita. <laughs> yeah, you're garbling, dude. Hey. Hey, Shizzy. Shizzy wants to see some fist fights flying today. I hate to tell him it's going to be about 5.30 at the Lido Deck Happy Hour with uh, Senior Brad sparring poolside for all the, the guests. <laughs> What's up, Joe? Doing his best raging bull impersonation. Oh, not much, man. Um, You know, just uh, kind of, you know, it's weather is so nice today. I mean, it's just gorgeous yeah, it's out there. Beautiful. Um. Went out to get my car renewal registration renewed this morning. You know, I just drive. I drive down to Pinecrest and do it. I mean, literally at Cineland, you just walk right in and you're out in like three minutes. You know, and they just you know tags and stuff like that. I mean, it's it keeps you out of the city stuff. But I did that this morning, so I'm feeling super productive already. Uh oh, I think that. We're going to have to deal with Brad, you know, living the Dolce Vita out there, you know, Mr. Permanent Vacation. We're going to have to get him a satellite phone or some way to hook into Starlink because his cruise ship Wi-Fi sucks. Okay, I guess I'm going to have to do a monologue today. Um, yeah, it does. They right, let me... Uh, Yeah, I hope you guys are hearing them because I'm not. Are we better now? Actually, you're less jerky on the video, but yeah, much better, much better. Awesome. All right. Well, hopefully this AT&T International Day Pass isn't going to charge. As <laughs> he says that he gets dropped. Um, well, look, guys, uh, I mean – what have I been doing lately? Oh, I messed around on GMX, uh, checking that out. So, <laughs> yeah, amen, exactly. They rugged, they rugged the whole cruise ship. Brad rugged us. <laughs> the cruise ship's gone. <laughs> cruise ship's gone. Wait, can you see me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go All to right. audio if you want, buddy. Just go. Oh, that looks nice. Yeah, oh, that's Na pretty. NASA. Oh, is that um? That's what's Atlantis. is that Atlantis? Yeah, yeah, that's Atlantis back there. That's nice. What are it's all nice. those? What are all those girls doing jumping off the back of the ships swimming back to shore? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's it's, see how long this lasts, Joe. What's wait, going wait, on? I, I thought I saw SBF out there. Did you see SBF? He just went past. <laughs> Did you throw him that ledger for us? No, I I threw him off the fucking balcony. Oh, damn. You got to empty his wallet first. Come on, man. Got to sanction him. You got to tax him. Oh, um, I, I already emptied the wallet. I'm just not sharing. Oh, come on. It's a DeFi lunch wallet. <laughs> You're right, Eamon. He did rug us. Um, no, I thought the interesting news, the USDC pulling the IPO. Um, I mean, doesn't seem like the market's right for it, obviously, just from a you Hold know, on, I got that. Where is that? I got that. Looking clear as sight, but um, 
you know, I mean, I don't know if the way they were doing a transaction since it was a SPAC. I, I guess it had a clock on it that it required some kind of SEC qualification within a certain time window. And, you know, yeah. they, 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 they didn't do it. So yeah, they didn't get it done in time. And, you know, it's kind of pitiful if you, if you think about it, but, but, you know, they did announce, uh, it was 247 million in revenue and their first, I think their first profitable quarter. So, uh, that, that's good for them, I guess. If you yeah. Nebulous, I, stable coin. I will jump into some of that stuff if we lose Brad again, um, in detail, that'll be my riff, but you know, I thought it was kind of funny with circle. I mean, here you go. Blacklisting wallets. It's the, you know, preferred regulated stable coin from the U S perspective, the U S regulatory perspective. Um, and yet they still can't get an IPO approved. I mean, something doesn't seem right there. I don't know what it is, but something just doesn't, uh, unless they just pulled it because of market conditions and are using that as an excuse to pull it. Um, but I think just announcing you pulled it is enough <laughs> right now. I mean, yeah, I don't absolutely. see a lot of addition, you know, in trade fi institutional looking at this going, oh, yeah, now's the time to jump into, you know, stable coins. Um, you know, I don't see it. There's so many other more exciting things to put money into. Yeah, absolutely. Can you hear me okay, buddy? Yeah, yeah, you're doing fine. I'll fill the gaps when I see the Yeah, Eamon said, Eamon said, wait, Circle never actually went publicly traded? No, they were doing a a, a merge or a SPAC, or it's called a D-SPAC. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the fuck that means. But anyway, um, essentially a merger with another company into a public company, I guess. And as Joe said, they couldn't get the regulatory done in time, the documentation, everything that was wanted. Now, I have to assume that part of that is that, you know, they've got to have an audit of all this cash. And I, I still haven't seen a public audit of how much of the, you know, the backing for the token. So yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, they they have the certified. Yes, they have all the money thing, but uh yeah, who knows? Who yeah, knows? Who I just don't. After what Sean was talking about on Friday with Collider and those like perp driven stables, essentially, I mean, to me, it seems like that's where it's going to go. Um, I don't know about the USDC and Tether and things like that anymore, just because they don't really make sense. I mean, in a lot of ways. I mean, don't you really just want something like a, if, you know, if that's what you want to go to de risk out of crypto into a stable wouldn't you really want some official central bank stable coin if that's your thing you know for, where you would get the uh backing of the government you know that whichever one you're using i mean i think that's maybe if you're going to be that type of a person i mean if that's your strategy or that makes you comfortable i think it goes there um i think for what we do i think the you know with some real world backing i tend to like those ones that are sort of you know, never change, you know, yeah. if it goes up or down. I mean, that to me, I'm sure there's a way to game it. I'm sure some uh, enterprising crypto person will figure out how to game it in the first go around. But, um, you know, it seems pretty interesting to me. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, even if it was just they couldn't get it done or they just decided not to go public because the market sucks right now, either way, um, you know, I I don't think the world needs circle I, I mean obviously DeFi needs it right fucking now because that's the predominant DeFi stablecoin. but um 
I'd love to see that shifting away. Um, speaking of some related news to that, it looks like um, Alchemix has approved. Do you see that uh, graphic over, Joe? Yeah. Addition okay. of Frax as ALUSD collateral, yes. Yeah, so I was excited to see that. I didn't even know the snapshot vote was going on, um, but yeah. it looks like it was approved, and that's exciting news to me. I'm, I'm, I, I would love to see, you know, really tight integration between Alchemix and Frax, uh, and Frax is building out so many fucking pieces of the, um, the, of the DeFi ecosystem themselves internally. That, uh, you know, I don't know if there's a even a possibility of some kind of merger or, or acquisition here, but I definitely think that um, the two of them working as tightly together as possible is going to be very good for Alchemix, and I think it'll also be good for Frax. I think it could be a really uh, awesome driver for Frax having these self-repaying loans built in. And the other part of that is, is now that Frax has all these mechanisms for liquidity and lending and everything else, there's the opportunity for yield for Alchemix, right, from the shit that Frax is doing. So rather than these 25-year or 50-year payoffs on these loans, there's a very good chance that um, Frax may be able to pro provide something a little more aggressive but still feeling fairly safe that people can utilize as the yield for the loan payback. So I don't know all the details of what's going on with that, but uh, I, I'm excited to see those two integrations because those are two of my favorites. The big problem I have with Frax right now is, you know, they still have a massive dependency on USDC, like massive. So, um, and look, I think that's going to take time for them to get out of that, out of that dependency, but it, it does bother me. And I, you know, I am concerned about it. So. Well, it looks, look, you know, Oh, so go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just on that theme. Um, you can say Niblets. I'll, I'll come in after that. Go ahead. Niblets uh, uh, just said, unclear on stable value prop for investment guarantees. Investment vehicles are paying higher rates, some 7% here, than most stable staking without the risk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, there's something, I mean, obviously with interest rates up, you know, a lot of just regular old bank deposit accounts um, are paying higher yields. Um, yeah. You know, I guess... You know, to me, back to what I we was saying before with the Alchemix, you know, I mean, look, self-paying back loans is something that's going to be, you know, in this market, people are going to have a hard time hearing that with a straight face in the, you know, trade fight space because they're so um, indoctrinated at this point in a lot of ways. But but there's something there. And just like you can, um, you know, sell chunks of future revenue, to me, I'm thinking that those loans have a value to them, too, um, because it's the payback amount, you know, that's coming back from, you know, Alchemix. So I'm thinking there's a way for corp for treasuries to come in, do what we talk about at Alchemix, you know, drop it in there, get your 50% or 70% back, lock your hedge in. But then yeah. I think there's an underlying value of that loan more as an asset than a loan that you can then fractionalize or, you know, uh, factor or do different things. I mean, I, I see it as being part of a multi-basket composite treasury of different instruments like, you know, the Collider type perp stuff, you know, the Olympus type bonding stuff, the Alchemix type loan stuff, and then some real world assets. I think that, you know, there's probably a model out there where you could trade the um, or an ability like these Alchemix loans um, against, you know, something else in in the treasury um, in ways that 
will allow market pricing to set in, um, almost like in perps, like what Sean was talking about. Right. You have the shorts and the longs simultaneously, um, and that value never really changes no matter wherever the price goes. Um, you know, that kind of product too. It seems like if we want DeFi and de-risk DeFi, um, you know, i.e. where the value of something isn't specifically tied to only one token. You know, one token is a target set, basically. How do I break that token? You know, right. how do I break the protocol? But if you have five or six different um, instruments in there of different types, it's going to be much harder to take out and, and game it and, and loot a treasury or, you know, create a way to, like, uh, take advantage of the system, which everybody will do or try. But it seems to me that there's something there with Alchemix that's much bigger than what they currently think they have. Um, and I'm just dying for some, like, super genius financial engineering type person to bring that into a product, you know, where you would buy pieces of other firms, you know, notes uh, to shore up your treasury that gives them cash flow. I mean, there's something there that is going to be a huge instrument that I think is going to come out as one of the big success stories here. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm, you know me, I'm always advocating on, on use case implementations. And, and look, you know, I talked to Scoopy on a pretty regular basis. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things I'd really like to see more of happening from the community are building out the actual use cases, right? Things that make it easy to implement, you know, free philanthropy, you know, risk-free VC investing, build a fund, uh, angel investing, risk-free, you know, um, getting it out to market, you know, getting it out as products, right? It can't just be this big platform that people come in and go, oh, okay, now how do I figure this out, right? I want to buy a Tesla. How do I get it, you know, with self-repaying well, loan? It, you need to package that up and you need to integrate it with the existing auto dealer financial systems, right? I mean, that's the kind of shit that Alchemix can do. And then the beauty of this is, is, is that if you built out this series of products, now there are more revenue streams, right? You can do origination fees you can do whatever for these product lines that are going out to individual vertical markets and you're offering to these folks that can provide more revenue to alchemix that can provide greater yield to to people that are doing self-repaying so yeah. I, I just I, I think there's a ton of potential locked in there that just hasn't been realized yet Here, here's here's one for you um so i think it was shizzy who introduced us to hive mapper right now there's a front-end acquisition cost of the camera i think which is a couple hundred bucks. So here's one. Um, Alchemix finances camera acquisition for HiveMapper community members. You know, oh, they yeah. come in and put their shit in. They take the, their loan out. They buy their HiveMapper. Alchemix pays it back. I mean, there's an amortization table to be built there that's, that's pretty simple. Um, but what does Alchemix then get? They almost become like the banker then for right. whomever's driving the hive mapper and if i remember right a lot of the people on hive mapper are in southeast asia i want to say like vietnam and philippines and thailand and places like that so um you know i don't know how deep alchemix's market penetration is in southeast asia i would dare to say probably not the highest um not like you know us or europe or something like that so, bang, you know, now you are the bank for those people. Right. Um, right. And they're on banks. So now you're their access into crypto. So a wallet partnership with somebody or whatever, and 
you know, ALUSD is a stable in the, the wallets. And then, you know, the loans running. I mean, that's the kind of partnerships they should be doing because it, I think it does best in microfinance. I know we always say the Tesla example or college education, which is, you know, awesome. But in practical measures, if Alchemix is going to play the long game, you know, we're not it. You know, we're like, you know, the near term game. The long game is growing another 2 billion people as customers. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, and putting them in. So there's so many opportunities here and, and they don't get, it's like Geist, you know, I keep watching Geist and, you know, I'm like, well, this is just no governance and it's just, you know, vaults and people either come out early on a vest and take a pay a fee or they stay and wait. And it's some yeah. liquidity farming. That's it. And there's no humans making decisions. So to me, you know, and then Treller, you know, the decentralized pricing oracles, all of these things fit into this DeFi, what, 4.0, 2.4, whatever we're doing here, um, that make it more stable. Oh, so, well, I might have lost Brad. So that's the kind of things that, that's what I really like about Alchemix. And I just don't think we need all the circles and tethers and all of that. Um, you know, at, at this point. Um, so, well, gosh, I was hoping Brad would come back and rebut me. Oh, good. Shizzy's, Shizzy's got, yeah, the hive map for Brady is 560 bucks. Brad. Wow. All right. And Shizzy's got his ordered. Nice. Order it in June. So, but anything like that. Um, yeah. You could have a setup with the Treller decentralized pricing oracles. I mean, or mining. People want to set up mining operations, you know, finance it through Alchemex. I mean, yeah. that's what you're really doing. I mean, that's a brilliant one, actually, because you can buy the gear You can in the U.S. You can instantly depreciate it, Section 179, I think, so get a full tax deduction for this year, and then be able to use that instrument in other tax-advantageous ways uh, to scale up mining. I mean, there's so many ways Alchemix can play, and you're absolutely right. It's not just the, the surface level thing. Uh, oh, Chuck. Chuck's saying, Chuck Schotten, problem with targeting unbanked is that Alchemix loans you part of what you already have. If you're unbanked, you probably aren't loaning to yourself for liquidity. Yeah, that's probably right. I was thinking, Chuck, that if someone wanted to, um, a way to, like, say, acquire a piece of tech, like these hive mappers for 560 that, you know, that might be a way uh, to finance it. So, you know, we have to see how that would play out, the nuts and bolts of it. But I, I still think you would get people interested or maybe maybe Alchemix somehow front end finances the actual staked amount. You know, maybe they lend 560 in crypto so you can then, or whatever amount, and you're going to turn around and stake it and they pay the back and they take the interest payment out of the payback amounts. There you go, Alchemix Scoopy. There's your billion dollar idea. Right. And so the users don't pay interest on it. And then they have the cash back and they have the hive mapper. I mean, I don't know. Sounds like crazy right. well, finance to me. Speaking <laughs> of speaking of tax losses, uh, one of the uh, tax software companies um, came up with a brilliant idea. And that is they created a smart contract that will automatically buy all of your shitty NFTs for like 0. 0.00000001 uh, NFT. I mean, ETH. And 
then you can tax loss harvest. So you can take all the ones that you know are never going to recover before, go to this site, send them all of your NFTs, and they will generate the tax document for you and um, uh, give you, you know, some little tiny amount of money. But now you've got the tax write-off because of uh, everything you've lost on the uh, on the NFTs you bought. So look, I like it. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, you know, you got to have the gains to be able to offset, you know, use those losses to offset. Because I think that's sure. going to be in the cap, you know, the cap uh capital loss section if i'm not mistaken um but look it's the same for any of these tokens you're holding that are 99 percent down yeah you know we're coming up to the end of the year you know to me i think and now again i know there's no uh prohibition on um you know there's no again not advice of any kind um but i don't think that wash trading is a problem in crypto yet i don't think right. it's uh strictly prohibited um if it is you know maybe just hold out stay for 30 days because that's i think the equities wash trading rule but look if you're down 99 percent, or maybe you bought bitcoin at 65 grand sell it yep and then rebuy it i mean yeah. what's the what's the well, why not take the loss you know the nice thing that these guys solve is the liquidity problem right you can't sell your shitty nfts there's nobody to buy them right but they facilitate the transaction so you have a record of the transaction and you mm -hmm. have a record of the overall loss so if you've made money elsewhere this may be a great way to offset and get rid of all those other nfts from my perspective these guys are brilliant because think about it this way they get publicity for their tax mm -hmm. software right it's going to be on the thing you download you're going to be connected to them etc cetera, etc cetera. and they're going to have thousands of shitty nfts but there's probably going to be a few gems that come up in the mix right and that a year or two from now actually end up having some value or the project resuscitates and builds something around the nft or whatever so i love this concept i thought it was brilliant and i want to make sure everybody heard that you know hey you got that wallet full of shitty nfts you know you're never going to do anything with and you don't like the art you're not that you don't have them for the art you had them because you were trying to make money this is a great way to to recover some of that value so i thought that was cool yeah, no, and you're right. It's a great, you know, it's kind of, I love those bottom feeder strategies where you just come in with capital when everybody's decimated and capitulating and just buy it all. Yeah. Um, because exactly. you're right. It is, there is going to come back and there are going to be some pearls in there. Um, but I also like the fact that what you said, look, this is a simple thing. You just yeah. send it all to them and they send you a piece of paper that, or whatever, you know, form that you attach to your returns. I mean, that's brilliant. Just, you know, spread it out so you get it across multiple years if you want. Um, and you think about it also for, again, back to your regular tokens where you're down. If you're going to deploy this strategy here, um, think about it in other stuff too, because it's a sound right. strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Back on the Alchemix thing, Chuck did say maybe bag holders stake into a microloan pool via Alchemix and not the borrowers. That's a good idea. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that too, because you could go after... I mean, what would be really cool is if you could set up that pool as a separate, you know, 501c3 type entity as a non-official nonprofit, and then people could donate money to it, to the pool, um, you know, altruistically, and then use that pool, like you said, Chuck, to finance all the little um, tech acquisitions for the, the other communities. That could make a lot of sense. Absolutely. The guys at uh, DeFi Llama are back at it. 
Uh, there were like three or four releases over the last like four or five days, but uh, this thing I think is extremely useful. In their yield section, they've added a 30-day average APY column. So you can see how consistently uh, a particular yield is holding up over time, which I, I really liked. They also published um, a guide to what the, I, I think they termed it like the the least used and most something like the least used and highest potential earning functionality of uh, of the whole platform. So um, and I got to tell you, I tweeted this the other day. These guys are building everything. They're building a media company. They're building um, a node company they're they are building out this system we're going to turn around next year and they're going to own a big chunk of DeFi because they're going to end up being the platform that guides in and they're smart they're building everything out for free making it easy for everybody to get up and running and then they're going to turn around and have a ton of shit so uh really interesting so yeah um, no they are killing it you're right they yeah. are uh i really like this guy i like mark yusko yusko a lot Right. Morgan Creek Capital. We talked to him about him a little bit last week um, and he's brilliant and he he knows the markets and I like everything he does. I met him last week at the at the show I was at, but he is so on to this whole fucking conspiracy theory. Basically, his conspiracy is that Gensler, the SEC, the wealthy liberal elites and uh, and Sam's parents set him up so that they could take down all of crypto by taking out FTX. <laughs> and it's, I, you know, I personally, I, mean, I don't see how they've taken out all of crypto. They haven't, I mean, and they can't, and it's stupid. He's just pissed because he lost fuck friggin' money, uh, exactly. and he's embarrassed. Exactly. I mean, you know, the conspiracy, this is like another one, all right? Yeah. So, I mean, what would what, what, it, it, it I mean, I could just layer a bunch of shit together here and call it something, but I just don't even want to give it that kind of traction. But, you know, it's just nuts. And He's just losing it. It's like, dude, there's so much more to talk about. Why the fuck? Every time I hear him on a show, he's talking about this theory that he has that. I mean, Sam's parents. Do you really think Sam's parents set him up for legal jeopardy just to destroy crypto? I mean, it's, come nah. on, dude. What's what are his parents professors in? Yeah, law and finance, economics, and it's just, it's just stupid. Nah, nah. I mean, I can see, I sort of feel like people like SBF, I mean, even like Elon types too. I mean, a lot of, you know, you see all the celebrities, you know, you get trapped by the machine sometimes. Of course. And, and you know, those investors have a lot of friggin' power. And yep. it's not always good power. So I could see how you can get trapped in that. And, you know, big money never wants to put its head in the job and block. No. You know, it's looking for people like this to stand up and go off on the crusade. And then, yeah, yeah, we're with you. We're with you. You know, until you're not, we're not. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And at that point, then that's why you need your lawyer money and shit. And you better not have like stolen their money. Um, so I think that that happens sometimes. And that's why people like young entrepreneurs, like the big investment houses, and they say it's because they want people who will do anything to survive, which is true. And that they'll come back for the next round and the next round and the next round and the next deal and the next deal, you know, and do five deals with that fund. But, you know, they're going to throw you under the boat if you don't perform for those yeah. funds. And you're the one who goes to jail. They don't. Exactly. So always be, I'm not saying it's the wrong way to go. I'm just saying always understand everybody's interests. Their interests are for you to make them a bunch of money and they don't have to do anything. Right. Um, 
And if you cut corners and things like that, they're never going to say, oh, my God. They're going to be like, how much did we make? But then in the end, if you get in trouble, they're going to be like, oh, my God, you were doing that, you know, while they're spending all the money. I mean, it's just I human nature. It. Yeah, yeah. It's just human Absolutely. nature, okay? Absolutely. And so I'm not saying there's some, again, there's not some big conspiracy out there looking for people to promote, to create these opportunities to destroy crypto. It's not that. It's just people make money. And, you know, think Middle Ages. It's like knights. You know, there's kings and there's knights. And then there's people that want to be knights. So who does all the dirty work? The people that want to be knights. Yeah. So at this point, if you... Yeah, go ahead. It's it's Occam's razor. It's like, what's the simplest explanation? Greed and mismanagement. That's the simplest explanation. This other shit is just stupid. Uh, uh, Anyway, uh, speaking of greed, um, Fat Man Terra... (laughs) Euphoric Fat- says we're the Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> Fat Man, yeah, we're trying to hide it. Fat Man, we're trying to keep the lid on it. Joey uh, Fat Man- here. <laughs> Fat Man Tara tweeted a thread this week um, that he's identified uh, that the Terra Foundation actually caused the entire um, – UST DPEG by dumping $450 million worth of UST on the open market market uh, four days after their le- that last sale is when UST started collapsing. That entity that did it, none other than Terraform Labs. Uh, so mm. I'm going to have this link in the show notes because it's a really interesting analysis. Um, and he's a little over the top sometimes. And obviously, I think he lost money in this whole thing because he has Terra in his, his Twitter handle. Um, Ouch. But uh, he... Um, uh, he seems to have had the uh, found the smoking gun of uh, uh, Do Kwan and the Terra Foundation doing this. So uh, there was some other stuff before that. Even there was somebody wrote. Maybe it was Jarvis Labs wrote up the stuff on Terra, talking about December of 2020 and how. I, I think the point I was trying to make is that you know they kind of created the false and the inflated UST and L Luna product or whatever. Um, you know, they created the value by pumping it up and they exactly. took it away by dumping exactly. it. I mean, guys, this is what we warn against all the time. You yep. know, this is, you know, um, it's the pumpers, basically. I mean, these are the Ponzi. So, you know, yeah. you, I'm not saying it, uh, I'm not saying it's a Ponzi scheme. I'm just saying that anytime there's an influencer shilling something super hard, they're also going to be the ones that are going to be the first one out the door. Absolutely, because um, they're going to so dump just, on the people that they told to buy it. Exactly. Yeah. As you said the other day, if you can't figure out where the yield's coming from, you are the yield, basically. So, um, you know, make sure you understand, are you the exit liquidity or is it the next guy down the road? Yeah. Um, because uh, this isn't the S&P index fund. This is crypto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Niblet says Occam's razor agrees. This guy is coping hard back on Yusko. I agree, dude. Totally agree. Um uh, Kramer's calling the bottom for crypto. So again, oh, wait, Kramer uh, says, Kramer no, says he says still, still dump. He's just still sell, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my point. It's you always do. It's the it's the duty opposite of Kramer. Kramer says, yeah, 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 it's the Kramer indicator. <laughs> or sell so, it for your like your tax bits, guys. Sell it like he says and buy it back. Well, look, he's trying to cover his ass because he's the one that recommended FTX on air. He's the one. That's right. Yeah. He's in the the liability department right now, and he's nervous because influencers are getting sued and 
you know, yeah. Jim Cramer's next on the list. So he's trying to show how uh, how he's learned his lesson, I guess. Who who fucking knows? So, um, in comparison yeah. to in comparison to Phantom Foundation, um, the Sushi Swap's new chief, Jared. Uh, uh, what's Jared's last name? I forgot. Uh, Gray. Jared. Yeah, Jared Gray says they've yeah. only got a one and a half years of runway. At Sushi. Sounds like it's time to do a money raise, dude. Yeah, I'd go out. Look, I'd go out and do an accredited U.S. investor raise. Um, just see if you can get it done with a big financial house. But it's not going to yeah. be, you know, you ain't going in at a billion dollar valuation. I'm going to just no. warn you up front. No. Um, no. If you're going to try to make this conforming, um, I mean, how, how, what's the runway at Phantom Foundation? Uh, Thirty years. <laughs> okay. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's your comp. Now again, sushi swaps a protocol, and you know, Phantom Slayer one. Yeah, you know, but looks to me like an acquisition target. Sushi. Yeah, and they're on all the. Aren't they already on like you know they're fifteen layer ones? Every fucking yeah. chain. Yeah, I mean not every, but you know, it's a great buy. It's a great buy. For anyone like a BlackRock, Blackstone, Goldman, you know, pick one of these financial houses that wants to get into DeFi and have a reliable protocol. Um, I think it's a great deal for them because they don't know how to do this shit. And yeah, if you've got to drop the, down I, one across all the chains, I mean, that's pretty beautiful. Right. And I think if you're an institutional buying it, though, you're not buying it for the existing DeFi folks. You're buying it so you can be the controlling interest of DeFi into the rest of institutional, right? Because most DeFi users, if BlackRock buys, it probably aren't going to use it very much unless it somehow remains, you know, semi-decentralized, which they may do. They may say, yeah, cool. That's that's we just want the engine. Yeah. If, yeah, exactly. But then I, as soon as I said that, I was thinking, God, there's great engines at Spirit Swap. There's great engines at Crystal. You know, there's engines all over the place. And, you know, like, I think Mr. Muccioli was talking about um, DCG credit default swaps and, uh, you know, shorten coin or buying coin debt, like we talked about before, as yeah. a BTC play. I mean, look, Coinbase, what we're getting at is Coinbase is there, too. And so, you know, maybe if I'm BlackRock or one of those guys, I go buy Coinbase versus uh, SushiSwap as an easier one. But you're right. But if, if, I'm you could, Coinbase, if I'm Coinbase, I go buy SushiSwap. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And try to layer it into your, however you're regulatorily complying, somehow fit it into that um, model, or, which is going to be a challenge. Um, or buy up a Bahamian entity that just recently went under and layer hmm. it. <laughs> Hold on. Number one on my speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> Number 57,000 in your heart. <laughs> it says Kramer is nothing if not consistent. Yeah, man. He, he, yeah. he, absolute, he absolutely is consistent. Consistently wrong. Uh, I remember him see, from way, way back in the day when he would do that um, uh, lunchtime thing on you know CNBC. And you know everybody was trading off of what he said. But there was no internet really at that point or nothing right. functional. Um, so it became like kind of like the uh, most cutting edge info, let's say, for retail. Um, and that lunch Kramer effect lasted for a while till all of a sudden everybody on the street was like, well, fuck this shit. Let's buy it first you know, before he talks about what let's he's trade against him and dump on him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, hey, the, gu the guys. The guys at Ledger uh, are releasing a really cool new wallet and they hired um, 
they hired the original Apple, Apple engineer of the iPod, uh, designer of the iPod. Um, and so it looks really nice. Wait, what did, uh, what did. Oh, Amazon no, I was, I was waiting. I'm just, I was going to talk about this. I was waiting for you to finish. That's all. I didn't want to distract you. Oh, okay. Uh, let me show you another image of this wallet though. Completely customizable interface. It's like $279, but um, it, it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. So very uh, iPhone-esque in overall design. Um, but the front, the front screen, you could completely customize images of NFTs, tokens you're interested in, whatever. So, so it's just a crypto device. Totally a crypto wallet. I love it. Dude, I was thinking about that. You know, I was taking some of my old phones. You know, I have a couple of those laying around. And just turning like a, into a wallet, like a Wi-Fi device with a full VPN on it. And just right. run it as a as crypto only, but only over, you know, Wi-Fi networks or hotspots on my phone or whatever. Um, just to kind of keep it away from everything else. And I'm intrigued that now, you know, because you don't really want it. Well, you know, I mean... If you got it on your smartphone, everybody knows you got it on your smartphone. Okay. You know? <laughs> That's true. So, I mean, I'm not talking about governments. I mean, not ours, but, you know, other countries. Yeah. yeah that's something you'd be very concerned about. Absolutely. But I'm more talking about predators, you know, and people that come in to try to, you know, steal your stack, basically. Um, right. I see this as being pretty cool. Um, what do yeah. you, what do you think? No, I really Double like device. it. It's yeah. the device is called Stacks, S T A X. Um, you know, it's got a nice design. This is a really smart move on their part. I mean, just really smart move to to create something new, something that looks cool, something that has a big screen. You know, their old devices had those pain in the ass little tiny uh, screens on them. You had to arrow through shit. You know, this is this is a really smart move. I do like the idea though of like if somebody created something that lets you. Uh, lock up an, an old uh, iPhone or, or, or Android device and turn it into a secure wallet. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is, this is, uh, this to me is, is very cool. I'm impressed that they did this and they hired really good talent to create something beautiful, you know? So, uh, we'll see how yeah. You know, um, make sure we talk about VPNs here real quick. Cause somebody was asking about that over the weekend um, because I saw that device and I started thinking, you know, look, the, the, the thing is, you know, I mean, I don't know if that, you can do it on that device or whatever, but, you know, you ideally want to buy the device at a place where you can pay cash. Okay. That's the yeah. first thing. And, and then you come back and throw your VPNs on. There's a couple of choices. Just Google. So on a really interesting discussion in there about um, uh, Proton, Proton's VPN and how they're, you know, it was the Russian de facto choice. Like 25% of them were on it. And they're getting attacked by, you know, their real world, you know, espionage attacks on them to try to take them down. Um, so, again, people track who has what. So, you know, other VPNs, Nord VPN is a good one. Um, I've heard ExpressVPN mentioned. But, you know, you I basically Ivacy. want. Ivacy. Is that the Apple one? No, it's just uh, it's called Ivacy. It's uh, um, just another brand of VPN, been around a long time. I have like a lifetime subscription to it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the guys at uh, Cloudflare have that uh, hmm. 1.1.1.1 uh, VPN, which is more, it's kind of like um, a, a mid-level VPN with all these other capabilities that utilizes their network to obfuscate and keep your privacy intact. I don't yeah. think it's quite as protective as... Um, uh, like an Ivacy or a Proton or whatever, but I do think it actually, it's free. Um, it's pretty secure 
and it's uh, you know built by cloud well, so if you have nothing else it's an easy quick option yeah look there's two issues um that i seen them one okay you're never going to be absolutely private okay and right. we're not talking about like government i mean this government here level surveillance i, I just I, I don't give a shit about that <laughs> that's not what i'm worried about um but you know the way you would look at that let's say you're in iran okay you know you would look at something like i think the case for nordvpn from the us there was a case where somebody was trying to get the logs um you kind of want to pick one that doesn't have logs yeah. okay and you want to pick one i think the nordvpn where they have servers all over the world i think their hq is technically panama so you know there's not in any you know, other than the internet, they're not, they have no physical presence in, you know, let's say the U.S. location. So, and, uh, you know, Nibbles well, makes, Nibbles makes yes. the case that Nord you can buy with Monero. So you've got yep. the privacy of the actual purchase. Yeah. Instead of just putting it on your credit card, let's say, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you just already screwed the pooch at that point. Um, private internet access. I don't know that one. Um, I think he's, but, I think he's assessed, I think he's talking about, when a community builds their own internet access uh, pipeline in, um, and you're not utilizing uh, a major provider uh, that's scanning your logs to sell you shit and that kind of stuff. But I'm not yes. sure. I'm just a yeah. Well, also, I think, can't you do a static IP? Doesn't there like an advantage to that as well? Um, I mean, you know. not really in terms of privacy, but yeah, I mean, look, you know, the other, the other option, for, I will tell you this, I've done this in the past and I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago. The other option is to spin up your own VPN server at Vulture or uh, one of the other VPS servers, because you can spin up a, a pre-configured VPN mm. that you control and have it at multiple locations uh, in their infrastructure, Vultures or whomever's, any of the hosting uh, companies, DigitalOcean, whatever, and now there is nobody to get it. You can turn off the logs. You know, there, there. The only trace of it is is that you had the server installed. It's very easy to delete if you ever wanted to. You completely know that it's you know controlled by you. So anyway, yeah, oh, I guess Eamon says that private internet access is a VPN. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, look, the, what I know. I'm okay. I use. I use Nord, all right, and, and, and I. It, it, some people don't like it. A few don't like it for a variety of reasons. But what I like is it has everything. It has you know all the P two P stuff, uh, you know all the dark webby stuff in there. You also can do double hop VPNs, obfuscated servers. So what I personally like is the double hop VPN in two jurisdictions outside of the U.S. And I pick the countries that have the most onerous privacy protection. Just Google it. You can find nice. the answers. A couple of countries that you would be surprised at. And so I double hop oh. through them. And then the end one has to be a place where um, you can access all the exchanges and things like that overseas for crypto and not be in a banned location. Um, right. So, you know, you pick your one there. I mean, uh, you know, any European stuff works pretty well. Um, but you basically then get layers of, see, you know, you're trying to do your best one, you know, um, if you do obfuscated, then you're running it through like your cell phone hotspot, um, the cell phone company, AT&T, whomever, they don't know you're using a VPN. Okay. Right. If you use obfuscated servers through a Wi-Fi hookup, um, at your house or somewhere else, 
they don't even know that you're on a VPN. Um, because right. what the phone companies get pissed because they want to know what you're looking at so they can sell you more shit. They exactly. don't want to know what you're looking at because they care. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just don't want all that data out there, particularly when it's yeah. financial stuff and it's crypto yep. stuff. Absolutely. So, you know, that's what I like about it. And you can bounce around. And, and here's another one. So, you know, um, like if you don't have the full, say, TV channel packages, for some reason, you don't want to drop 70 bucks at Fubo or someplace like that. Um, you know, you can basically hop from VPN to VPN and get all the access for free. Another one is, you know, you want to buy plane tickets, go through a tie server to the plane. You know, obviously you sweep out your browser, browser cache and all that stuff, but, you know, go to Thailand and buy, you know, go to um, friggin', you know, Expedia in Thailand or something. You will see noticeable difference in prices particularly yeah. in like the premium cabins. Um, also Netflix, you know, certain shows I like, they air in London, UK a year earlier. I watch yep. them there, you know, through a server. So there's all kinds of VPN applications. It's not just to hide from people um, because yep. you don't want all this data out there on you. Um, you know, like another thing that I do is use one of those data broker removal services, you know, find a good one. You know, if you, Look at your VPN provider. They usually have a couple of recommendations. And these people just go around. I mean, you're never going to get it all, but they're like constantly out there scrubbing all the main 400 data centers of any data on you. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. And they will do it for you, even if you're not in California or Europe, because they just, they'll just do it as a courtesy because they don't want to get involved in saying no and then fighting a bunch of lawsuits. The companies just do it. And if they don't, yeah. these companies ramrod them with data removal requests with your power of attorney, you know, like every day. And they all yeah. have compliance departments. So eventually they just stop even taking any of your data. So, you know, yeah. just work on that. It's not hiding anything. It's just that do you really want all these big tech companies to know everything about you? Like, I mean, they can tell when you're in the bathroom. They can tell yeah. when you're like making out with your wife. If you're wearing Fitbit stuff, let's say. You know, heart rate goes up at three in the morning. Well, gee, what else are you doing? You know, it's like, yeah, exactly. It's the, that's what you're protecting against. It's not about, you know, some conspiracy yeah, out there. Yeah. What do you got? Some fans? We got a visitor coming in to say hi real quick. All right. What do we got? Hey, that's how are you? Hey, nice <laughs> to see you. She says, nice to see you, Karen. Um, yeah. Niblet says, get an old MacBook Air, load up Ubuntu, set up Nord to auto, no, Nord to auto connect, do nothing but crypto on it, and only it. Yeah, absolutely. Wipe yeah. that notebook out though, uh, and load up a fresh install of Mac uh, app uh, of uh, the OS before you do it. Mac OS before you. So do like it. reformat the whole hard drive and then reinstall. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And look, you can get a refurbished MacBook Air that'll that's 10 years old. That'll function beautifully for you and have as much performance as you need for that kind of shit for like 230 bucks. I mean, you can get. Yeah. A, a, yeah. And that'll last for fucking ever. I mean, the battery may be a little tired, but you can buy a new battery and install it pretty easily. So anyway, that's another great idea. Thank, I appreciate that. Niblets. Thanks. Yeah. Joe, just keep that device contained from everything. Exactly. Yep. Go ahead, buddy. Yep. Let's wrap it up. I got nothing else. You got anything else? Uh, nothing really right now. Um, I think we covered everything. I mean, are we missing yeah. anything exciting, super exciting? No, I don't think so. Niblet says Linux sings on an old air. You know, I got three sitting yeah. in my closet. I've never put Linux on them. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give that a shot. So, uh, Niblet says, oh, China. Niblet wants to talk about China. You have nope. any thoughts, Joe? 
Oh gosh, you know, I don't know what's going on. I mean, you fear you, last week it was all about staying locked down. Now it's like they're dumping the lockdown and some of the, um, you know, requirements and, you know, but when you see those vaccination rates over there, I mean, if this thing rips, it's just going to rip through a half million to a million people. And they only have like four beds, hospital beds per hundred thousand people. So yeah. if that goes bad, it's going to be friggin' disaster. Um, as far as, um, you know, how does that tie into their economic recovery? Pretty dramatically. Um, you know, when that's been off the board, you know, and you got like now, um, I think Foxconn is shut down or the iPhone manufacturing plan is shut down. Um, well, and Apple's was. moving, what have they said? They're moving 30 to 40% to India? Yeah. I mean, why not? Um, Vietnam, I, India, Mexico. I'd like to see a lot more of this in Mexico myself, just because it's close. Because yeah. I think what's going to happen is we're going to get a deglobalization in, in, in and say, a technology walls strategy out there. I mean, you see it in the battle over switches and things like that, that um, I definitely sense that um, the U.S. in particular seems uh, is shutting down access to tech for China. Um, you know, look, oh, there was yeah, a lot of free flowing tech going into everything that they've used for a lot of other things. Um, you know, I mean, if you were Chinese, you would probably do it, too. Um, but look, if you're not going to behave within the Western say the post-World War II order, then why do you get access to all the freebies? Yep. You know, if you don't want to behave within the established order, then go develop it yourself. Yeah. You know, you've got a long history of technology innovation, you know, albeit several thousand years ago, but, you know, harness that and start doing something or get with the program, you know? And so to me, I think that um, I don't see the disruption coming much there um, because you know, again, high tech is here. Low to mid tech is there. It can't get to high tech, existing oh. high tech, without getting through the barriers that Europe and the U.S. are setting up. It just can't. Yeah. So and I want to um, talk about one thing regarding all of this, um, and that's what Biden and Congress did, which is already having an impact. We talked about yeah. some of the new plant announcements, and that's the fucking chip bill. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing that presidents do that they're not going to see the positive impact on their reelection or anything else. It's a long-term thing. It's going to make a dramatic difference for the U.S.'s economic security that we have incentives for people to build the chip manufacturing plants in this country. And countries are doing it. They're their work, a lot of a lot of manufacturers are saying, "Okay, I'll open a plant here." It's it's going to make a huge difference economically for mm -hmm. us and national security-wise for us. So, yeah. um, well, you know, we need they, manufacturing jobs in the U.S. I think yep. you know, look, you can go make it somewhere else cheaper and not have to follow any environmental regulations or pay into benefit plans or anything like that. And yeah, then the margins are a lot higher. But and those people do better because they have nothing up until that point. And now they start making money. But, you know, this society here is a very mosaic society. It's a combination of many different things. And not everybody is going to go get a college education, let alone do they want to. Some people like to be focused in on a task and do that task very well all the time. I mean, that's what accountants do. You know, that's what detailed dudes on spreadsheets do. You know, it's the same as standing behind a, 
in a robot factory or something and, you know, assembling something, you know, maybe you're putting code in or maybe it's a hardware piece or something, but you know, you get really good. All my relatives on my dad's side, they all worked in the auto factories. I mean, one uncle of mine, he put like every trunk on every Cadillac sold in the U S for like 12 years, you know, but he liked it and they made a lot of money back then and benefits and everything. It's not like today was a union job, but you know, Manufacturing is where that happened and manufacturing next generation tech. So the quantum stuff, the life sciences, the robot stuff, you know, all of that, you know, I think it has to somehow be in a place where it's not going to go into authoritarian mode (laughs) because that's when that stuff can really be leveraged against the um, individual. And that's what we want to definitely avoid. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to talk next week. Um, um, I've been taking a really deep dive in this chat GPT AI stuff uh, and some other oh, yeah. stuff. And I got to tell you, the acceleration of this shit is pretty profound. And it's it's going to have a massive impact on all of society. And um, I do want to have, have a talk about it next week when I don't have to worry about uh, my connection. But um, it is um, it is truly astounding what can be done um, inside of a couple of hours of playing with it. I was able to replicate um, some core code for something that's important to, to a business I, I operate in um, without writing any code with the AI r- writing it for me. Um, and that along with the impacts on writing the impacts on idea generation the impacts on business planning on tedious tasks it is going to have a dramatic effect and i'm pretty convinced that we're at a pace right now where you know a year in internet time in we're probably at about 1994 with ai and a year in internet time is probably going to be happening in ai space in about a month to two months Um, that's how fast this shit is accelerating and it's only going to get better the more the AI learns from itself. So um, just want everyone to, um, to. Yeah. Uh, scary shit, man. The, the, it's scary, but it's also the other thing to think about here. I tweeted that this morning. The other thing to really think about here is, is it's scary in that it will eliminate a lot of jobs, but what it will do is it will facilitate the advancement of humanity because all of the human brains now doing shit that you know, may have some value to the world, but not a ton. Um, All of them are going to be freed up to do more creative things, more powerful things. And all of us are going to learn how to use the AI to do shit we never thought of before. And that is going to have a dramatic impact on advancing culture, advancing society, advancing, you know, the human capabilities. Um, So I'm actually, I'm actually uh, pretty excited about it. Niblet says, so I can have my GPT Twitter bot reply to your GPT Twitter bot, and then we can go sit on the beach and enjoy. Exactly. I've often made the comment that b- before I realized how far along we are, that we will reach a stage where the artificial intelligence marketing engine is marketing to the artificial intelligence buying engine at a corporation and the sales guy at the artificial intelligence sales engine is going to be selling to the uh, the bots right and and there's a there's a tipping point we are going to hit where money because of defi and ai and the economic system because of defi defi and ai no longer 
have the level of necessity or the function that we have today. And it's a little bit uh, painful to think about, but we're, we're, we're at a dramatic point in, in what's going to happen to the world where there's going to be a huge shift in how we function, what we do, how we work, how we spend our time, how we buy and sell things. Um, and it's going to be dramatic. I mean, I, I, I feel, look, there's probably going to be pain and suffering. There's going to be people starving. There's probably going to be battles over the tech. Um, but I also believe that it will free us up for dramatic advancements. So anyway. No, um, I, I see your point. I, I get that argument that, you know, it's kind of like, when it, you know, it was like with .com, you know, we said a lot of similar stuff there, but at first it's all clunky and hard to use, yep. you know, yep. like crypto and yep. wallets and things and now bots, but eventually it moves into infrastructure like, um, you know, uh, indoor plumbing, electricity, you know, they light on top of electricity, um, internet. Just think about all these things that, at first, we're one thing, and then all of a sudden, it's buried, and we don't think about it. Like, who really thinks about, hey, when I flush that toilet, why does it do that? I mean, how does it go away, you know? I mean, somebody had to build that shit, and at first, it was outhouses, I guess. And, yeah. you know, then it was something else. Well, these are going to – AI is going to run in a way um, that – to me, it's good. maybe the normal, like, worrying or angst every day. It's like the worrying, what do I have to fucking do? Oh, shit, I forgot about that. You know, all that stuff's going to automatically be done. You know, exactly. you're going to, like, chat with someone or, or excuse me, it's going to chat with someone <laughs> and set up appointments for you that are pre-screened. And then you're going to have calls with people and it's going to, like, turn the, you know, connect the call and put the exchange right in front of you wherever you are so you don't miss appointments and things, you know, um, because we're so mobile. Um, it's going to do all those things. The question is, um, you know, you have to permission it. So to do it and when you permission it, um, you know, I mean, I don't want to use the obvious trite uh, metaphor here, but, you know, Skynet doesn't sound too far behind. It doesn't. You know? but here's the here's the really interesting um, realization I had this week is the abstraction. Right. When I started using ChatGPT to generate code over the last week, I was doing very specific things. I was telling it the language I wanted. I was telling it the prompts I wanted. I was telling it how to do specific things. Right. All of a sudden, I realized I didn't have to tell it all that. I just had to tell it the problem I wanted to solve and maybe the platform I wanted it to solve it on. And then it figured out the best way to implement it. And that's the kind of shit that that when you start abstracting at that level, um, it gets scary, but it also gets very powerful because then the AI starts giving you things you didn't even know you needed yet, right? And, and, and it's actually, I mean, imagine this, the AI that you've given permission to is actually clearing the path for you to everything, okay, to everything, to everything that you are going to need without you knowing you needed it. And that, 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 that's a level of advancement that's, that's amazing. Niblet says, hopefully it brings us closer again because physical meeting is the only way to be sure the counterparty is a real person. I welcome actual handshakes again. Um, Shizzy says, it had, I had it make me a Taylor Swift song about my toilet. That's awesome, Shizzy. That's great. <laughs> All yeah, right, no, Joe. I, I love that. Yeah, let's wrap up. But I love that thing you just said, how, you know, when you look at like, the way manufacturer, let's say inventory management 
in manufacturing work. There was this big trend, I want to say maybe 80s, but it was just in time, JIT inventory. And the whole idea was that, you know, just put it in the example of, say, the Walmart. You know, uh, before all of this, everybody had big warehouses of stuff and then shipped it to stores. Stores had big warehouses in the back where they stored, you know, 50 of that crib or whatever. Well, just in time inventory said, we want to figure out through the data, just carry just enough so everybody who wants one is taking kind of the last one off the shelf. And then another one shows up, you know, mathematically, probability-wise, just when the next person's going to want one. Well, it's doing right. this in ideas now and in content. And, and that's – so now it's think of the production process of hard goods. Now we're talking about a production process of services, okay, ideas, advice, you know, whatever. Now the AI is going to front load – um, the production process for services products in a way that just-in-time inventory did or the idea idea uh, economy, just the way that um, just-in-time did for the fixed goods economy, which means more market efficiency, better ideas coming up into fruition faster, bad ideas getting triaged out more quickly. Um, you know, the question is, does it still find the jewels or does it just kind of find the the ones in the middle that are the least, you know, challenging as yeah, in, cause absolutely. the execution will be easier. So lots of great stuff, man. I don't want to keep you. I know you got a lot to do, um, but yeah. Awesome. And listen, um, we'll probably have, I'm going to be, um, we'll see how the connection is tomorrow. I won't be in the same spot with the same level of access. So we'll see what happens. Well, this has been um, great, dude. This has yeah, been great. Today was good, but I won't, I won't have this tomorrow. So it's going to be interesting. We'll see what happens. Um, thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Thank you, Shizzy. Oh, and Shizzy posted his uh, chorus from the song, song he had, Chat GPT, Craig. Right, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Niblets, Niblets asks, do you use a GPTI that specializes in writing code? Um, I use the primary playground interface at OpenAI, and then I also use the Codex interface. But I have found that the playground interface works just as well using uh, the primary engine um, to generate the code. And I don't need to go into the Codex interface. The Codex interface is more for fine-tuning existing code. I'm also discovered more things about the interface over the last few days that uh, make it interesting as well. Anyway, uh, thank you, Shizzy. Thank you, Niblets. Uh, thank you, Amen, Sean. Chuck. Uh, not Sean. Chuck. We did not have Chuck. We had Chuck. We had Euphoric. Uh, and that's everybody. Thanks for helping out today. Appreciate your comments. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, give us a thumbs up on uh, YouTube if you're watching there right now. Just click it. Click it. Go ahead and click it. If you haven't subscribed yet, click that and uh, click the little bell so you get alerted when a new episode comes out. We'll see you tomorrow, uh, barring any problems with connection. Otherwise, it'll just be Joe pontificating all day. Uh, I'll talk about China tomorrow. I'll talk about China. Good. That's good. Joe, appreciate it. Me I'll now. catch you guys tomorrow. Everybody have a great day. Say goodbye, Joe. Bye, y'all. Bye, everyone. That means Bye, I want Joe. a beer. <laughs> <laughs>